How's it going today, guys? I'm back here live in the studio once again for another episode of Hot Takes with TP3, and I am joined once again by my reoccurring guest, Austin Clark, on today being Wednesday, the 25th. Austin, say what's up to the people. What's up, people? Thanks for having me, as always, Thomas Pinlin. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. you know, Austin, Austin it's, it's good, good to have you back, back once again. again. Um, we got lots of good stuff for y'all today, so I hope y'all are excited for all that. that. It was a great weekend, you know, in college football and NFL once again. Been killing NFL, college football, still got a lot of things to figure out, but it's been a good NFL run so far, so I'm going to stick to what I know. And, Austin, let's get down to it here. Uh, I think the first biggest question to ask now is, is this Kansas City Chiefs offense unstoppable? You know, it seems like that, no, no matter what the situation is, they're going to put up a ton of points, and we haven't seen anybody be able to slow them down yet. What do you think, Austin? You know, it's funny that you say that because if you would have asked me this question week one, I would have said that this Chiefs offense is unstoppable. But now that a couple of weeks have gone by, it's now week four. We're starting to see maybe offenses, I mean defenses, uh, kind of have the ability to – figure out the schemes that the offense are running. And now we're seeing teams like, for instance, the Baltimore Ravens last week, you know, only lose by five points and they cover the spread. So um, I think that defense is starting to figure out this Kansas City offense offense and uh, it is stoppable. It's just going to be very, very difficult to do so. Okay, Okay, I'm actually going to disagree with you here. I think they're unstoppable, you know. I feel like Kansas City, so the last two weeks in the second quarter, they put up 20-plus points. And, you know, on top of that, this is Pat Mahone's first-half stats. This is how unreal this guy is. Um, he's He's thrown for 899 yards in the first half so far this season. That would be seventh. Like, that would give him the seventh most passing yards in the league. Um, touchdown passes. He is eight in the first half. That's second and that's tied for second in the league. And he is, uh, eight 40 yard plus completions. That's first in the NFL. All that's in the first half. He's doing what it takes you a full game to do in the first half. Look, I know a lot of people say, slow down. You're a little ahead of yourself. This guy's only had one full year of starting at quarterback. I honestly think Patrick Mahomes is the greatest player I've ever seen pick up a football. And, I mean, this guy, he makes plays that you dream about. He makes plays you can't even draw up on Madden. When he was running away against the Ravens last year and threw that threw that pass back across his body to hit Tyreek Hill in stride, I mean, nobody does that. The no-look pass, nobody does that. I mean, he's got Vaughn Miller throwing him to the ground on fourth down, and he goes to left hand and throws to the first down. You can throw the kitchen sink at Patrick Mahomes, and you still can't stop him i mean brady and belichick slowed him down for one half and they only beat him because flipping d ford couldn't stay on sides and i mean that was the worst loss of my entire betting career was d ford not being able to stay on sides there i was sick to my stomach for about three days after that but that's literally the only way to stop patrick Mahomes. brady and belichick did it for one quarter they or for one half they kept him on the sidelines in the afc championship i think this andy reed offense is absolutely unstoppable and when you put a mind that smart with patrick Mahomes, you can't stop him let me tell you why you're wrong and or why you're going to be wrong. It's because we're starting to see tendencies of Patrick Mahomes starting to climb from this from this peak, from this mountaintop that he's been on. You're absolutely right. Patrick Mahomes has been killing it, but he hasn't really been playing teams until this past – he hasn't even really even played a defense until this past week. And if Patrick Mahomes would not have put up a 23 spot in the second quarter, the Chiefs would have lost that game 28-10. to 10. So – 
you know, I'm not saying that he he wouldn't put a goose egg up for the second quarter, but he put up 24, almost 24 points in the second quarter. And they, I, I, I said last uh, last Thursday in our betting segment that I would be taking the Ravens to cover the spread. And I took them, and they covered the spread. So I'm happy about it. I think that when Kansas City actually plays someone with a defense, like, for instance, Green Bay or um, – New England, that you're gonna you're gonna see these kind of uh, problems and or the challenges that Patrick Mahomes hasn't had to face all year long. Look, Look I mean, Kansas, Kansas City's offense, offense is pretty, pretty much, much they're second in the league in yards, only to the Ravens, and and uh, that's running and passing combined because they've only rushed for 284 yards, but passing the ball, they've thrown for almost 2,000 or, or for almost 1,200 yards. That's way more than the rest of the league, and I think this offense is unstoppable. Look, the Ravens only covered that game because it was garbage time. So I completely disagree with you on that. Kansas City quit playing, basically. They went up 30-6, to and then the Ravens started scoring a bunch of points and covered A. We were both on the same side, though, on that one, so you definitely can't be mad. But, you know, I just feel like there's no possible way to stop Mahomes. I mean, you take away Tyree Hill, shoot, he finds Michael Hardman for an 84-yard touchdown pass. You know, like, the receivers and the offensive weapons that he throws to and that he has, I mean, they take away Kareem Hunt, you take away one of his best offensive linemen, doesn't slow him down. He gets it done no matter what. If you play Kansas City in a shootout, where you have to put the foot on the gas the entire game, I don't think there's any humanly possible way you can stop this guy. Andy Reid is an offensive mastermind, I mean, I mean, I, mean, I, I just think it speaks volumes. You could you could give him arguably the three worst receivers that see like a high percentage of snaps in the league, and Mahomes would still take them to the Super Bowl. I mean, I I really don't think anyone can stop the Chiefs. And you know, it brings up a good question: Who do you think's got the better chance of going sixteen and zero, the Patriots or the Chiefs? <sighs> let me let me preface by saying I don't think either team will go sixteen and zero. I agree. Uh, I I don't I don't see either team um, went going undefeated. I think if one team has the ability to do it, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. And I'm going to say that because of because of their schedule and the conference that they play. Um, you know, I, I think they have a – in terms of chances to go undefeated, they, that they have a better probability to do so. Yeah, um, you know, I don't think either of these teams has any kind of chance of going undefeated. I mean, it's the NFL. You're bound to lose a game or two here or there off, you know, something or other can happen. But I would also go with the Chiefs as well, having the better chance to go undefeated. I think New England's got a pretty tough schedule, like on the road at Baltimore. I mean, I can't wait till they play Kansas City. That's the game I got circled that I'm the most excited for to watch in the NFL period this season. But, you know, I, I just don't see a team going undefeated. I mean, we've seen the Patriots have some pretty damn good teams. They can do it. Honestly, I think it's a better thing if you lose two or three games during the season because it kind of makes you reevaluate and see what you need to do better, you know, to win those games. And I think teams that never really face adversity and go undefeated, that it's a bad thing for them, you know. So, I, I honestly couldn't agree more. And speaking of teams that have one or two losses this year, how about the Falcons? I mean, what, what are your, what's your take? Do you think the Falcons might be in some trouble this year? 
So, you know, I actually don't think we're in any trouble. You know, I think a lot of Atlanta fans want to jump to conclusions and stuff. I really feel like the team is still, you know, kind of warming up a little bit and getting ready. You know, Matt Ryan has not played great throwing those interceptions, but I felt like in the second half I saw a completely different Falcons team. I was actually in the stadium for this game in Indianapolis. It was it was a fun environment. You know, Indianapolis got a great fan base, but I feel like we really woke up in the second half. I think seeing Keanu Neal go down, I mean – I hate it for him, prayers up to him, but we scored 21 unanswered points until they ended up scoring that touchdown. Or I guess, no, I guess we scored 14 unanswered, then they scored, then we scored, then they ran it out. But, you know, we really changed in the second half. We were getting a lot more stops. That's all kind of stopped the run. It felt like that we almost didn't come out ready to play in the first half. Then once we saw Neil go out, the team rallied around him and tried to come back and win. And, you know, we were so close to winning that game. I really feel like this Falcons team is a great defense. And I'm going to be honest with you, when I was in there, I thought we were going to win. Like, I took the Falcons. That was one of my few losers I had this weekend in the NFL. But Pat McAfee actually came up. So the Colts have a huge anvil that they hit on with a hammer. And when he started hyping up the crowd and banging on that hammer for the home opener, I was like, yeah, we're screwed. I mean, they were the fans were absolutely crazy, but – I'm not, I'm not ready to give up on this Falcons team. I think it's one of the most talented teams we have. We have a great situation here with Cam Newton being down, with uh, Drew Brees being out, you know, the Buccaneers being the Buccaneers they are and missing, having their kicker miss three field goals, and including the game-winning chip shot. I think it's a great situation, and, you know, I feel like the division is here for us to take, and I'm still a firm believer in the Falcons taking it. I mean, we're a great home team. Matt Ryan plays excellent back at the house. So, you know, I feel like that as long as we can steal one or two on the road this season, that I mean, I, I don't think it's going to take more than 9-7, and 10-6 and six to win the division. What about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm 100% behind you there, um, T-Pin. Uh, I think that it's a little too early to say that the Falcons are in trouble. Um, you know, I'm looking at the road ahead. We got the Titans, the Texans, the Cardinals. You know, the next three games, it's not, you know, next necessarily a cupcake schedule, but – it's looking it's, – it's, we're not talking about, like, the Browns or anybody. We don't have to go out and play the Patriots next or anything like that. And you're right, absolutely. Um, we have we have a hurt Cam Newton and a hurt Drew Brees. Like, if the Falcons don't take advantage of the opportunities that are in front of them this year, I don't think they deserve to be in the playoffs. And honestly, I don't know if I'd want to watch that Falcons team in the playoffs and just watch them do the Atlanta Falcons thing that they always do. Um, I think it really sucks that we lost Keanu Neal, but – I think that it's still really early in the season. We can make some ac- acquisitions. We can, uh, you know, there's figure out what we have inside of uh, our unit already. I mean, you know, maybe it's time for some guys to step up. So I'm really actually excited to see how the Falcons rally around this situation and see what they do. Yeah, yeah, you know, I agree. I actually think that losing Neil, I mean, even though it sucks seeing him go down, I actually think safety's the one position we can afford to lose someone. We still have Demonte Casey, we still have Ricardo Allen, so I definitely don't think that that's as big of a deal, you know, that we lost. Obviously, it sucks, but I mean, I think if we can replace anyone and be him, I still love our defensive unit with guys like Debo, Grady Jarrett. I think our defensive line, I mean, they kept jumping off freaking sides, doing stupid penalties, and a lot of that, you know, is just being on the road in the leagues, and Jacoby Brissett kept getting with that hard count. But I mean, like you said, we're at the Cardinals. I think that's huge that we play on the road at Arizona. I think that's a very good break to have on the road. 
And on top of that, you know, I still think we have a very favorable schedule. I mean, I love the fact that we got the Jaguars at home, the Buccaneers. I mean, at Houston's going to be a great game. I'm honestly I think that's probably going to be the most fun game to watch on the entire schedule. Luckily, we get the Seahawks and Rams at home as well. Both those teams have to travel all the way cross country to come play us, which I really like. So, you know. I, I think we have a favorable schedule. It's not, I wouldn't say it's an easy schedule, but it's definitely a favorable schedule. I think the Falcons can easily turn things around. You know, Matt Ryan's just got to take care of the freaking ball in there. And that interception he threw, and then also there was a play where he completely missed Julio's wide open, and he threw the ball to Hooper instead on the third down. But, I mean, Hooper was pretty open, too. It was just a horrible throw. So, I really think, though, that, you know, we saw a completely different Matt Ryan in the second half. We were amazing on third down. And I just think that, you know, it's kind of beginning of the season. Some teams start slow, and I think we're ready to pick it up. I always remind people. The season we went to the Super Bowl, the Buccaneers came to Atlanta and absolutely waxed us week one. And that's what I always think back to, you know, it's a marathon, not a not a not a lap, you know. So I'm I'm feel good about us. Absolutely. I think we're I think you're exactly right in the sense that it's a marathon, not a sprint. I don't know have the statistic in front of me, but I think something out of like the last six Super Bowl winners, like half of them lost their week one matchups, so it's not always necessarily like a bad thing. I think sometimes that reality check at the beginning of the season like really kind of gets everyone rallied around each other and kind of bear down, so to say. And, and you know, you, you you start to fix your eyes on the prize. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Plus, there's going to be a sense of urgency here with this, with this team. team. You know, Dan, Dan Quinn probably, probably on his last leg here as the head coach. You know, we've, we've made changes bringing kind of a, uh, t- a time clock management coach as well. So I think that'll be a big thing as well for us. But let's keep it moving here and let's talk about some second year quarterbacks. So we've seen guys like Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen absolutely go off this season and we've seen other guys you know like baker mayfield obviously struggle a little bit sam darnold be injured um i know i feel like i'm forgetting one other quarterback that was taken up high in that draft class but basically those are the four big guys who came out in this draft class and who do you think's been the best one out of all of them in my opinion it's been lamar jackson and i think that you know, he's been maybe a little overrated these first couple of weeks. I think he's played, you know, some teams with some pretty bad defenses. But in terms of expectations, I think that he's exceeded a lot of people's expectations. And there's not very many quarterbacks um, through four weeks that ha- have had a perfect 100 QBR rating. Um that's a pretty hard thing to do, even if you're playing the Miami Dolphins. You know, it's it's one thing to go out there and like dominate a team, but I think it's another thing to go out there and have you know a prepared mind and then execute like out on the field. You know, like there's always things that could have gone better and things that could have gone worse. But I, I watched Lamar Jackson in that very first game of the season, and he looked lights out. He looked like honestly like Michael Vick, to be honest with you. And I've heard Michael Vick. Um, even kind of give him his blessing in the sense of like saying that Lamar Jackson is the closest thing uh, to Michael Vick that we've seen since Michael Vick quoted by Michael Vick. (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, I think Lamar has been extremely impressive here. You know, I mean, the way he's been, been running the football and passing the football, like you said, he's been crazy efficient. Lamar's clearly been practicing and getting a lot better. I've heard a lot of people make a joke off Baker Mayfield's off doing commercials while Lamar Jackson's getting better. 
But, but you know, know I'm going to say, say this before I talk about Baker Mayfield. I think Josh Allen's been the best one, in my opinion. I just feel like that Buffalo, you know, he doesn't have great offensive weapons. Lamar's got a little bit better offensive weapons. Now, Lamar's evolved a lot more than the passer. He's clearly the most talented runner, but he's been tearing it up with his arm, too, making all kinds of crazy plays. I mean, like you said, probably the closest thing we've seen to Michael Dick since Dick. But, you know, Josh Allen's got the wheels, too. He's got 26 carries for 105 yards, two touchdowns. Um, and, you know, I thought... The most, the most accurate, accurate representation of the kind of player he is is when he had four turnovers in that game against the Jets, but he kept on playing and he didn't get down on himself at all. And, you know, he ended up balling out and coming back and winning that game for his team down 16-0 in the fourth quarter, scored 17 unanswered to win the game. And, you know, I think Josh Allen's extremely talented. I mean, he moved the ball down the field the whole game, but just couldn't take care of it. He's already got 750 passing yards, three touchdowns, three interceptions. You know, he needs to cut down on the turnovers a little bit, which Lamar's done a great job of not doing. But I think Lamar's got better coaching. I mean, they got Greg Roman in there as the offensive coordinator. He's the running quarterback in the NFL guru. And, I mean, Harbaugh is obviously a substantially better coach than Doug McDermott. But, you know, I feel like Josh Allen, he's a hard-nosed guy, and he makes some something out of nothing, which he has in Buffalo. And I feel like he makes the most of what he's got. They got a great defense, and he gets it done for him on offense. I don't want to hear anybody say, oh, it's all defense. I mean, you got to score the freaking ball to win the game, you know. So, so I think Josh, Josh Allen has done a great job with this team here, and I think he's been the best second-year quarterback. I also picked him to be the best out of all of them, so I might be a little biased to it in that sense. But I like what I've seen out of him and Lamar. I think they both dominated. But Baker Mayfield, I don't really put the blame on him. He's got no offensive line. I mean, sitting there watching the game, they're trying to run these, like, these verticals and post routes deep down the field when you got Aaron Donald in the backfield in one second and Dante Fowler Jr. You know they are absolutely the Rams were absolutely dominating the line. And when you have this horrible line of scrim or offensive line like Baker Mayfield has, he doesn't have really any time to do anything with it. Baker's a gunslinger, and I think he's going to be a great quarterback, and I think the team will figure it out, and he will too. I think he's still going to end up having a great season. It's just kind of a slow start. Like, I hate how everyone really wants to jump to conclusions. The only teams I jump to conclusions on are, like, the Redskins and Dolphins and Jets. You know, they all look absolutely freaking awful. But other than that, I don't really want to jump to any conclusions yet on these teams or anything like I, I personally was on the side of I don't think Lamar, the way that the Ravens play, will age well with the season. But, I mean, if Lamar keeps passing the ball like that, nobody's going to stop him. I, I could not agree with you more. And I think that you're absolutely right. You bring up a great point about Josh Allen in the sense that he has taken what's around him and made the best out of it. And I think that when you look for, like, a person that's a true, like, playmaker and a person that's going to make his, the players around him better – that Josh Allen has done that better than any of those quarterbacks. So I think that's a really good point that you bring up. Yeah, yeah and so, so before, before we get in here to our power play real quick, quick had two little breaking news things I wanted to mention real quick. Unfortunately, Ronald Lacuna is going to rest for the rest of the season to get ready for the playoffs, which I don't have a problem with. We want to be healthy. Unfortunately, it sucks. He's not going to get a shot to go for the 40-40. Really wanted to see him get the 40-40. Um, but another uh, crazy thing here is let's, let's, uh, let's add this to the power play. Why not? Since we're making good time. Um, so Jalen Brown – Says that, says that he wants a five-year, $170 million extension in Boston. Would you pay him this, yes or no? Go. Yes, I pay it to him. I think he's the best cornerback in the NFL right now. No, no, no Jalen Brown for the Celtics. Oh, Jalen Brown for the Celtics. I'm sorry. Can you repeat it again? I thought you said yeah, yeah, I didn't realize you thought I was talking about Jalen. My bad. I should have, should have mentioned to you better that we were switching topics. 
Um, no, no, so Jalen Brown for the Celtics, he says that he wants a five-year, $170 million extension. That's what he believes he's worth with the Celtics. Would you pay him that, yes or no? You know, I think there's a lot of questions that revolve around that. Is he worth that money? Yes, he is worth that money. I'm not just saying that because he's a Georgia boy either. I think that he's worth that money. He's, I mean, he posterized Giannis Antetokounmpo fucking three times last season, three different times, MVP of the league. And he's what, like only 21 years old, 22? Like he's a young guy. You know, and I think that, you know, there are some questions that, that revolve around that question. Like, what are you going to do with Jason Tatum? Like, well, who's going to be the face of your franchise? Because if you want to have a face of the franchise, I think you should lay down that money and you should try to you know, lock in a long term five, seven, five or six year deal. You know, if that's going to be the face of your franchise. And when you do when you when you're a GM and you make those kind of deals, I feel like when they're long term, it gives you as the, as a manager more flexibility. And I feel like owners GMs like front office people like love making those kinds of deals because if things don't really work out you see things like Paul George and Chris Paul and just like oh let's just ship this con- this contract somewhere else because I-, I got them to sign a long term deal. You know, you know this, this one's, one's tough, tough for me. me. I, I like Jalen Brown, Brown a lot, and I think he's going to keep on getting better. better. Obviously, his numbers regressed a little bit. bit. One because he wasn't starting as much as he did the year before, and two because Gordon Hayward came back. back. Um, um honestly as much as i wouldn't want to pay him that at the same time about the celtics i kind of like the young core they have between him and tatum and then they obviously added kimba i think it's time to tell tell uh gordon hayward to hit the road a little bit i want to see how how brown plays this year brown plays well with the guys and he keeps getting better and then i would pay him that if not then i'd probably say see you to him so it's, it's more of a, a see what's going to happen this season, season and then re, you, know, you know reevaluate after the season's over. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be too quick you know to jump on anything, but he's gotten better every single season. I just want to see him keep getting better because I mean, like you said, he's a great two way player. He can shoot the ball, stretch the floor. He can do a lot of things. He's a freak athlete. I think we still got to see him play a little bit before we can make a decision there. Yeah, you're probably right. If anything, I would like to see what he's what he's going to do this season without a player like Kyrie Irving on the floor next to him. What are those young guys going to do now that they don't have that distraction of a superstar who is maybe trying to lead them when they don't want him to lead him kind of kind of thing. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the Celtics uh form their chemistry. I think the addition of Kimba Walker was really huge. I like I like the young core that they have there. I think there's a lot that they have to to build off of that foundation. I think they're they're headed in the right direction. Yeah, yeah I think they're definitely headed in the right direction the way they built the team. I was very disappointed in Jason Tatum, but I mean, I tried telling every single Celtics fan all last season, y'all have a great young core and everything, but y'all are going to ruin everything you've done so far solely because of Gordon Hayward coming back and taking minutes away from these guys. All I heard is, oh, that stupid hour two young guys that are getting better are going to get worse. I was like, just wait for it to happen, and boom, what do you know happens? So... I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm with, with you. you. I, I want to see how their young core meshes together, together again this year, and then it'll be kind of time to decide things a little bit more. But, I mean, if I, I, I guarantee you another team will pay Brown that kind of money. I mean, he's too good and too young to not get paid. I mean, shoot, I'd love to see Atlanta pay it to him. So there's that. But let's get now here into the uh, into our um, power play. So we'll start with question number one. We each get a minute to just to answer the question. Austin, you're on the clock. First, um, did the Bears ruin their franchise by drafting Trubisky over Watson and Mahomes? 
they didn't ruin their franchise, but they made a very, very big mistake by doing so. Um, you, we ha- they, they should not have traded up. They, they really shouldn't have traded up. I think that was one of the biggest mistakes that they've made. They could have gotten a lot of, a much bigger bang for their buck. I think you probably could say the same thing about a team like the Giants. Maybe they could have gotten a, a person like Daniel Jones in the second round. But uh, I think that uh, they did make a mistake, but it doesn't ruin the franchise. Boom, Boom. you went way under your time there, which is a good thing. Um, You know, know, I'm not going to say they necessarily ruined their franchise, but I think that they kind of hurt this team's ability to win a championship by getting Trubisky. I mean, you look at Watson and Mahomes, these guys are light years ahead of Trubisky. I mean, there's quarterbacks who take a little bit of time to get better. You know, they say quarterbacks aren't really in their prime until their 30s rather than almost every other position in the NFL. You're in your prime like a year or two into the league, you know. So, I think it's different. I'm not ready to give up on Trubisky yet, but, I mean, if they had got Watson or Mahomes, I think that that team would probably be winning the Super Bowl. Um, I don't really knock them that much, though, for giving up what they gave up to trade up and get him. Somebody was willing to give it up to get him, and I watched Trubisky a lot at UNC, and I thought he'd be really good in the NFL, but I always did like Watson and Mahomes over him, so it's kind of my view. Let's move here down to our next question, and I know also I know you're a big Georgia fan. Were you disappointed in Georgia's performance this Saturday? Uh, I was disappointed in Georgia's performance this Saturday. Um, I think that I did. I think I did kind of say that I thought that Georgia would struggle in the first half um, last Thursday, and uh, they did. I didn't think they would struggle as as badly as they did, and I think that we still are relying on a running game way too much. I I think that when we have passers, QBs like like like. Uh, in comparison to Jake Fromm, when you have Justin Fields and you have, um, and you have uh, what's his name out of Washington, Jake Eason, you know those guys probably better quarterbacks in my opinion, but they're not better game managers. Um, Jake, uh, uh, Eason, not a very good ma- game manager in my my opinion, and uh, I'd like to, st- I I would like to see from get better with his passes and um i think that kirby is playing maybe a too um too safe of a of a strategy i don't i don't don't like how he's not being aggressive enough he's milking milking the clock and trying to be trying to be safe um Um, i'm gonna agree with you here i I I wouldn't necessarily say i was disappointed in george's performance I was more so, you know, I think this is the Georgia team that we have. I mean, like you said, they let the two talented, more talented quarterbacks go. But he's a better game manager, which means you're not going to have the boneheaded mistakes when you're trying to make a big play. But, you know, I think that this Georgia team, I think they're still good and they could still easily compete for a national championship. I just think that, you know, they're going to have to play. You know, their game style is going to be different. They're not as flashy and as sexy as an LSU or an Alabama or Clemson, you know, going to throw the ball around the park on you. They're more of a ground-and-pound, grinded-out defensive kind of team. And, you know, I think it's more of an eye-opening game. It's just Georgia plays a much different style. The only problem is I don't know if they can keep up with a team like LSU or Alabama. That's the only thing. So we'll find out about that later on in the season. But I wouldn't say necessarily disappointed in Georgia. I think it's just more so the type of team they are. Like, I think they could beat almost any team in the nation in a close game. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the expectations as a Georgia fan, the expectations are Bama or bust. And so, like, you can't really be disappointed when – when you when you crawl away with a win or when you blow out with a win because at the end of the day all that matters is bama do we beat bama or do we bust 
Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, Georgia fans you always have high expectations for your team, which I definitely salute that. So let's keep things moving here. And uh, what college football team do you want to see get tested the most that hasn't been? Ohio State, the Ohio State University. I feel like Ohio State never really gets that much of a challenge, nor have they really played anybody. I think they still have, what, three ranked opponents left in their schedule, um, one of which I believe is Michigan, which I think is kind of a joke. Um, yeah. I have no, no idea. I think maybe one of those other teams might be like Wisconsin or something like that, which Wisconsin played a pretty good game last week, but – Again, Michigan, Michigan's kind of a joke. So, I'm just, I don't, I don't know. I, I would really like to see Ohio State play somebody. But one thing that I've noticed, Thomas, is that that these coaches don't care about scheduling these games where they're going to be tight, close fought games. They just care about creating a schedule that makes them look the best on a piece of paper for the playoffs. That's what it's really all about. Who cares if you? If you win that close game against Auburn and that close game against Texas A&M, nobody cares. As long as you win all your games, you look good on paper. That's all that matters. So, Yeah, yeah you know, I agree with you completely. And, and, and by, by the way, way uh, Ohio, Ohio State does play at Wisconsin. And, and the team I actually want to see get tested the most is Oklahoma. I just want to see how this Jalen Hurts um, offense, with, offense with Lincoln Riley does. And – They'll, They'll have that test coming up against uh, Texas, I think, in two weeks or three weeks in the Red River rival, uh, Red River rivalry. So I think that'll be fun to watch. But, you know, I agree with you. It's a lot of just how you look on paper and a lot of these teams like Alabama, you know, once they didn't get to the championship a couple of years, they kind of said, screw it, we're not messing around, you know, with these with these out-of-conference big games. And now that people are kind of bringing up and bashing them for it, they've gone back to it again. But I agree with you. It's all about how you look for for getting into the uh, playoff. Um, next one is what college football team are you most disappointed in? I'll start with this one, and I'm most disappointed in Utah. So I watched that game on Friday night. I was really high on the Utes coming into this season. Sack Lake, Lake City, their defensive uh, line, one of the most hyped up in the league. I mean, that defense is so hyped up. Then you got Zach Moss and Tyler Huntley back as well. Zach Moss, by the way, will be a beast in the NFL, but you see him go down, you see them outgain USC, but they could not take care of the ball, and ultimately they lost their season on that game. I mean, there's no way you're going to be taken seriously losing the USC with a third-string quarterback like that. I really wanted to see Utah maybe have a chance of being the dark horse team in there because I actually think Utah is pretty damn good, and I think they can compete with all these other teams. But absolutely disappointing season for them. Their season's already over. Yeah, that is pretty disappointing. The team I'm probably most disappointed in in college football would have to be the Oregon Ducks. Um, Justin Herbert, pretty solid Heisman candidate at the beginning of the year. They have a pretty good middle linebacker. I can't remember his name, but they got a pretty good middle linebacker. Honestly, their defense is pretty good. They got a pretty good running back this year. Like I thought that, you know, especially being a pack a Pac-10, Pac-12 team, like you can run the table pretty easily if you have have a decent team. You know, it's not that hard to do. And all they had to do, I feel like, was just win that game against Auburn. They had it in their hands. Freshman quarterback, um, you know, at a neutral location, and they they blew it on the last play. And you know, I think I'll remember that for like the rest of the season. You know, it's probably one of my my worst beats. But I'm just so I, the game shouldn't have been that close. Like Oregon's team. Sh- is so much better than what what they have been this year, and I'm super disappointed in them, to be honest. I, I kind of was hoping the best for them. 
Yeah, yeah you know, I, I, think I think that's just typically what we're going to get from the Pac-12. Kind of funny how we both took Pac-12 teams there. Last one we'll talk about here. Who you got when they meet? LSU's going to be on the road at Alabama. Who you got now when the spread's projected at 13 right now? I'm 100% hammering the LSU spread. I think that gets covered very easily. And in fact, I think if any team beats Alabama in the regular season, it's LSU. LSU has a great defense. There's, there's de- their defensive line is absolutely huge. And don't even get me started on Joe Burrow. I mean, I, there's there's an, another quarterback that slipped away from a program that probably would be better off if they would have been able to keep him around, in my opinion. Um, and I, I'm talking about Ohio State for those of you who, who don't know that Joe Burrow used to go to Ohio State. And, um, you know, they, got, they have a wide receiver that's putting up Odell Beckham-like numbers I think through through this season alone, they've put up just as many points as I, I don't know. I saw some crazy statistic last year about how they're just putting up crazy points this year. I took them on the spread last week. It was my max bet of the week, cashed it pretty easily. Um, I think I think the and the thing about Bama too is Bama's losing defenders every single week. They're dropping kind of like flies. If they keep losing defenders. I love it for Georgia because if you play a tough team like LSU and you lose some some defenders, even if they scrape by that game, like good for Georgia. Like we we can kind of see like what buttons we need to press. Um, come like SEC championship time, um, if if Alabama wins the game, like it's still very possible that Georgia could be playing LSU at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, you know, know I'm actually on the LSU, LSU train. train. I'm going to take, take them on the money line, line for, for a good bit, bit. and I'll take them in the spread as well when they get play this game against Alabama. Alabama. I mean, Alabama is the stacked of offense, but like you said, they've been losing a ton of guys on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, LSU's already won a big game with this offense, I think, with Texas. I mean, Alabama really won't even be challenged until they play LSU. That'll be their first challenge because their really only other big challenge will be at Auburn at the end of the season, and then who if they were to get to the SEC championship. And I just think this LSU team is special. I mean, if we've learned anything about sports, the team, you know, that everyone's always so, you know, high on and stuff, they don't always necessarily, you know, it, 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 they're not going to win every single year. It just doesn't work like that. So that's the way I'm going with this one. Yeah, I like I, – I, at the beginning of the season, I said that if anyone was going to be Alabama this year, that it was going to be LSU. And I kind of circled that date on the calendar for, for that reason. And I kind of plan on taking it to the bank almost. Like, you know, I'm either going to – I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. And um, definitely going to put money on the spread. But uh, I'm, I'm really hoping that that, that money line is going to be good odds. Yeah, yeah, I bet it'll be in like the 270s, 250s, so I think we'll get good odds on it. I know it's going to be a hammer, so I'll hop on it at the beginning of the week. Um, let's move here now to a little more NBA action. You know, basketball's creeping right around the corner. I might do a separate podcast just to talk about basketball when football first starts, just because, you know, I'm one of those guys who likes to talk about basketball every week, and there's too, way too much football on right now to, you know, be able to do them both. I don't want to be here for an hour and a half recording one podcast, so. Let's, uh, let's let's keep it rolling here, and you know a lot of buzz has come out this week about Lamelo Ball and how good he's looked, and if he's going to be the number one overall pick in the upcoming NBA draft. What do you think about it, Austin? I can tell you right now that Lamelo Ball will not be the number one pick. Wow! In the two the, the next upcoming NBA draft, and part of it is politics, and the other part of it, I believe, is going to be playing playing overseas. I don't think 
I don't think that he's going to be challenged the same way that he will be in Division One basketball. And I also don't think he'll have the same spotlight that he'll have in Division One basketball. And you can see a prime example of this with a person like Zion Williamson. Like, Zion Williamson, as much as he did for Duke, Duke actually did a lot for him, in my opinion. And I'm not necessarily one of these people that's like, don't pay the players, don't pay the players. That's not necessarily my take on this. But my my take is we know that Duke basketball has been a a fran- like a, a a school, a franchise, a that has a history of winning basketball. And you know, that's why they have Coach K. That's why they have all these players that come there and do one and one and dones. But because everyone knows that, we watch their games more more tight, more tightly. Um you, we, they have the you know the college game days for basketball. You know Duke and and UNC is one of the biggest rivalries in all of sports. Like like the stage is kind of set for those players, and it's their responsibility to kind of make the most of those opportunities. And I just don't think that Lamelo Ball is going to like have that same kind of opportunity with the team. He's not going to have that same spotlight. He's you know I I watched videos of him on instagram maybe once or twice a week of him playing overseas and the stuff that he's got is really good i think he's probably about to get a shoe deal from nike probably in the next month or so but you know i'm not saying that he that he's a bad player i'm just saying he's not then he's not going to go number one overall um you know i'm actually going to disagree with you on this one i think it comes down to mainly who has the top draft slot in this draft but what i see is it's mostly power forwards and uh and centers that are the highly ranked players in college basketball this year like i know a lot of people be watching out for rj hampton who's playing overseas right now as well but i actually think mellow ball's got a good chance here to go number one in this draft him being a great point guard he's a great scorer can shoot the ball from deep make lots of good plays i've always really liked Lamelo ball i thought just because you know of the ball family and whatnot that he's got negative light negative press but dude is an absolute baller and he's been doing it for a long time like everyone hated him cherry picking in that game where he scored 100 points like i don't give a damn 100 points 100 points you know and type shit say that again that's some wilt chamberlain type shit right there yeah, yeah, you, you don't, don't see that, that too often. That's, that's some 2K. 2K. Turn all the sliders down as low as you can get them. Use one of your use Harden, Curry, LeBron type shit, you know. But I really think Lamelo Ball is an absolute bucket, and you know, I mean, like you said, it definitely kind of sucks we don't get to see him showcased in a, in the United States this year in college basketball. But it really depends though if there can be that flashy player like Zion that can bring heavy attention to themselves, or else I think we'll see Melo go higher. You know, we've seen these Euro players do better lately, which I think helps too. Um, before we talk about our last topic here, I got some breaking news. Um, Melvin Gordon is back. He will play next week for the Chargers. Story just broke a few minutes ago. Um, I'll start us off here real quick with this one. I actually think this is huge for the Chargers. Look, Austin Eckler puts up great numbers, but he's a fantasy running back. He's not an in-game running back, you know. Um, Melvin Gordon can do a lot of things to change the game here with the way he runs the ball, the way he pass blocks, the way he catches the ball. I mean, this Chargers offense, we got him, Keenan Allen, Phillip Rivers on the field. That's a top 10 player at their respective position in the league. I mean, this offense is lost. I mean, they've got banged up Mike Williams, banged up Hunter Henry, banged up offensive line. They really need a superstar to come in here and tote the rock for them a lot. You know, Eckler's more of a pass catcher than run between the tackles. 
I think getting Gordon back is huge, and I think the Chargers need to get healthy here soon as they've kept on losing these games. I don't think there's any way now they can catch Kansas City. I don't see Kansas City losing two games. What do you think? Yeah, this is big. This is really big. Um, I don't have Austin Eckler on my fantasy team, but my roommate does, and um, he's been trying to get rid of him all week long. Um, and I think that, it, that it's what the Chargers need right now. Um, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit ups, upset for Melvin that he didn't get a deal after holding out. Um, I think that he's worth worth some money, especially uh, when you look at what you're paying him right now. Um, but disregarding money like he he's one of the best running backs in fantasy and not just in fantasy but in all the nfl and one of the things that's actually going to work as a benefit to the chargers is now they have a running back that is you know three-fourths more fresh than the rest of the running backs in the league you know like you're gonna have a guy that's maybe a little bit less injury prone that's guy you know He's taking less hits. You know, this could be week one for him, you know. So I'm excited to see uh, Melvin Gordon get back on the field. I think a lot of fantasy owners are, are going to be really happy to hear this news. And I'm excited to see what the Chargers can do with the rest of the season now. Yeah, yeah I, I am too. I think this is actually like a big time changing thing for the NFL. NFL. I was pretty sure we'd see Gordon back soon, especially with the Chargers struggling. But I honestly thought it'd be with him getting paid. I agree with you. It's a damn shame he didn't get paid. I wanted to see him. Get his money. I hope he stays healthy this season. Doesn't get hurt. I'm be mad for him if he does if that. If he gets injured. But speaking of injuries, perfect segue to our final topic. Is Kyrie Irving injury prone? I mean, we saw him break, have that uh, get elbowed in the face and have that break in his face. I mean, what do you think Kyrie Irving's injury prone? I'm gonna say no. I don't think that Kyrie Irving's injury prone. I think that if anything, if I'm a general manager, that I'm worried about his leadership ability more than I'm worried about his prone to injury. Um, you know, we just saw him have problems with leadership with a team that he was a part of. And then they did things when he wasn't there and he wasn't a part of those things. And now he's kind of like on a team where they haven't done anything together and he hasn't been a part of them. And now he's kind of being looked to as a leader. And so I think, when you have a, a young core group kind of like Brooklyn has, um, you want to see those guys develop. You, I, I, like, you know that Kyrie Irving has handles. You know that Kyrie Irving has NBA Finals experience. Like, you know that he knows what to do in those situations. And you want, you want him to take those experiences and try to articulate them as best he can to those younger players so that when the time comes for them that they'll be like as as best prepared as possible for whatever situation arises and that's that's really what you you don't you don't pay him all that money just for the handles and just just for the floater and just for the three-point game you also pay him for, to be a leader to those guys so I think that he's not necessarily injury prone I'm not worried about him being injury prone I'm, I'm worried about his leadership ability I actually disagree with you on this one. I think Kyrie Irving is injury prone. I worry about that more than his injury, or than more than his leadership ability. Look, Kyrie Irving's a guy. He's smaller. I mean, he's we've seen him miss lots of time with injuries in his career. We've seen him miss. I mean, whether it's the NBA Finals, whether it's missing 53 games or only playing in 53 games back in 2015-16. You know, he he hasn't played over 72 games or over 75 games in the NBA season yet. And the year he did, the year he went down with Cleveland, so. 
You know, you know I, I personally think Kyrie Irving is injury prone, and that I think it's something that's always going to hold him back in his career. I prefer D'Angelo Russell over him. Obviously, though, you could only have Kyrie if you had KD, so that's why you had to keep them both. I thought D'Lo was done a little dirty in that deal, and I think him and the Warriors, by the way, I think I think that's going to be a fun team to watch. I can't wait to watch it. I know you love D'Lo. That's your boy. I love D'Lo, and I think that that's a great addition to the Splash Brothers. I think that that's a little trio that's going to be something that we've never seen in the nba before like it's going to be ridiculous i'm so excited for this nba season i think we're less than a month away now or something like that from preseason so i'm hyped yeah, yeah actually the, the first preseason, preseason game i believe is, is like october like second or something like that the rockets play shanghai the shanghai sharks um don't ask me why i know that but um anyway i actually think personally that the celtics team quit on Kyrie irving i think the guys like brown and tatum you know they, the celtics really thought they were just going to rock the whole league with the success they saw last season when these get when irving went down you know i think that these guys when the going got tough you know that's when teams are supposed to come together rather than all these guys kind of pushed back and they said kind of like get out of here to Hayward and Irving and they didn't want them stepping up because they weren't with them you know when they're battling in the playoffs and every single night and I think that really hurt the team I also think like Rozier kind of felt like he was I think Rozier's a beast and I think he's going to go off in the Hornets so that's a fantasy sleeper for you right there I would get Rozier abs I think he's going to get buckets but you know, you know, I feel like this team, team you know, there's some kind of a weird spot. They saw so much success without Kyrie that when they were doing worse with him, I think that caused, you know, problems with this team to clash a little bit. And I think that's more so what it was. I think this Nets team will, you know, come together and have a little bit better chemistry. And, you know, KD is definitely going to be the alpha dog. Kyrie's going to be secondary to him. But, I mean, this is the most excited I've been for an NBA team. I mean, basically the whole entire league looks new. So it's going to be a fun, fun year for the whole league. I'm definitely excited, and in, you know, from a betting perspective, not to get get too much too far in that spectrum, I feel like I really almost need to like take a hiatus. Like I need to, I need to like give the NBA some time to like, you know, figure out who has the power. You know, like it's almost like like the infinity infinity stones or <laughs> in fucking you know, Thanos is whatever. Like you have to figure out like what teams are going to be good because I feel like sometimes too, especially in the NBA, like if you put too many powerhouse players on the same team, like they all want the ball and it creates like this weird like chemistry that it's like creates like a five, 500 average team, you know? And it's like, it doesn't make sense, but like on paper, you're like, you know, with the eye test, you're like, wow, this team's going to be amazing. But you know, on paper it, they're not. So, um, I kind of felt that way, like maybe about like the the Oklahoma City Thunder a couple years ago, like with Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, Russell Westbrook. You're like, yo, these guys should these guys should definitely be like making a run in the playoffs. Like, and I think they they got the eight or seven or eight spot that year or something like that. So, I I just kind of like get a little nervous um, from a betting perspective, uh, figuring out which teams are are going to be able to that have depth and are going to be, be good and make, make like runs, make win streaks. And I I feel like that's what kind of like what the NBA is all about is, is runs like, you know, and I'm not just talking about like win streaks. I'm talking about like runs in the game. Like Mm -hmm. if you, if you go on a run, whatever team like has consistent, consistently goes on, on runs throughout the game. I mean, that's kind of like obvious basketball, but, but I, I, don't, I have no idea what teams are going to have the ability to do that this year. And so I'm really, like you said, I'm really excited to see 
how it kind of unfolds. Yeah, yeah and, and you know, know I'm I personally think you know who's gonna be my sleeper team and I'm gonna be hammering on the spreads all season long will be the magic. I'm telling you, the magic profited me a ton this last year. Pretty much have the exact same quarterback on top of that they add a meaning, so the defense is gonna be even better. I'm gonna love be loving the magic and loving unders in their games. But you know, ultimately I think the biggest thing to look at at the beginning of the year is teams that have a lot of the same players back. And, and I think another thing that we look at, you know, it seems like the Pacers, for example, add Malcolm Brogdon. They already have Miles Turner. They're a great defensive team. You know, I think it's more so looking at those teams that have players back and then knowing who's good, you know, home and away and stuff like that. So I feel like that's really so more so what it's going to come down to is chemistry. And, I mean, you're definitely right. It'll be weird to see what teams take a little bit longer to get their chemistry together and all that. So that's about all I got, though, for today's show. Anything else you want to say before we get out of here, Austin? No, that's it. It's always a pleasure, Thomas. Thanks for having me, and I'm looking forward to doing it uh, again if you'll have me. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah absolutely. You know, we'll keep on cranking these things out. Got Austin in here on real short notice. Um, follow him on Twitter and Instagram at BuzzerBeaterSports, BuzzerBeaterU. Follow me on Instagram at TB3Bets, on Twitter at TB3Wins. But we appreciate all y'all tuning in, and we'll talk to y'all again soon.